Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Boy, howdy. It's a Monday on the Dan Parsons Show. And uh, uh, my goodness, uh, what a weekend. And about what everybody else did. It's, it's so much fun summertime in this great city. And uh, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Zoo Bar in downtown Lincoln. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I need a vacation after my, after my weekend. Um, but it is uh, Monday, July 10. And it's 5.09 p, uh, p.m. here on the Monday show. And don't forget, you can always catch us uh, on the live stream at any time you like on KLIN.com. Uh, and if you miss us, you can always find us on your favorite podcast platform. Well, coming up in just a second, uh, Hot News with Flatwater Free Press with editor Matthew Hansen. And, uh, and then we'll introduce uh, Jeremy Turley's uh, new story, America's Toughest Road to Asylum runs through the Omaha Immigration Court. So coming up in just a second. But uh, first things first, say hello to producer extraordinaire of the Dan Parsons Show, Johnny Cadillac. Uh, I feel like I've been gone for quite a while, and it's been one day, but I had a busy weekend myself. <laughs> you did. You were you're out doing your wrestling gig. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's good to be back and ready for another Dan Good time with another Dan Good episode. Thank you. See, you did that twice. I don't think we got it in Friday, John. Oh. Uh, I mean, you can't depend on these. I was going to say, what do you expect when I'm not here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had fun. Uh, we did have fun on Friday. Uh, we had two chefs in the house. and uh, But you said you weren't a big wine drinker. We uh, Chef Kevin brought wine. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully Caleb enjoyed that more than I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Caleb didn't drink. He had had uh, milk and cookies with his daughter. Oh. <laughs> so he didn't want to ruin his palate, oh, I guess, okay. with wine. I, uh, well, hopefully you guys still enjoyed the, oh, we, the wine in my place. Yes, we we most certainly did. Yeah, we did. Uh, by by some measure, we did. <laughs> uh, well, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll welcome Mayor Lyrian Gaylord-Baird uh, in for her monthly check-in at the Dan Parsons Show. Find out what's going on with city government with... Uh, with Mayor Lyrian. Well, uh, joining me on the phone line is Matthew Hansen, editor of Flatwater Free Press, Nebraska's very first nonprofit newsroom. Matthew, welcome back. Thanks, Dan. I'm I am sad to hear that Fridays are you're just drinking wine in the in the studio Mondays. Uh, we're running sober sober Mondays. That's exact water and uh-huh. yeah. Well, you uh, need to pitch brutal. me a story. Well, we know how we can uh, accommodate at least part of your household on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. We we should get uh, Sarah Baker Hansen involved, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we could we could figure out some uh, we could shoehorn some alcohol into the situation. For sure. <laughs> That's what we need. We need the Hansons in house on a Friday uh, for Friday afternoon club. Yeah, we can make that happen. Darn right. All right. I- I consider it done. Okay, okay. Um, well, I uh, before we uh, 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 introduced Jeremy, I wanted to just, because uh, uh, we missed last week. I missed you last week. We had the week off because of the holiday. And so, um, but I loved, you heard me just mention Zoo Bar, and I loved Catherine Huddle's piece uh, that, you, that she wrote for Flatwater on the Zoo Bar. Yeah, and I mean, what a perfect person to write that yep. story. I mean, first of all, the Zoo Bar, an, an Lincoln Institution, right? Mm-hmm. The Zoo Bar, the place where I and so many other people, <laughs> I think, many of them uh, older than me, like, uh, sort of grew up 
you know, like learned uh, about this type of music, learned how to be adult. Yeah. And, and my guide actually in that process, myself, when I was 23, 24 years old was Kathy Huddle. Oh, nice. So full circle to be able to publish her story and, and to the, the listeners, Kathy Huddle was a journal star uh, writer and editor for decades, mm-hmm. great journalist, great person. And it was super cool to be able to publish her, her story in a place that she really loves the zoo park. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very cool. Yeah. Well, we had those guys on a week ago, uh, Friday. We had Pete and uh, Josh Hoyer and a couple of the acts by phone. And so, yeah, it was, it was epic. It was, yeah, it was everything uh, I'd hoped to, uh, to accomplish. So, well... Nice. Uh, yeah, very cool. Well, uh, Matthew, if you don't mind, uh, let's bring uh, Jeremy on the on the line. Jeremy Tur- Turley, uh, in his new story, uh, America's Toughest Road to Asylum uh, runs through the Omaha Immigration Court. So, Matthew, would you do the pleasure of introducing Jeremy, if you don't mind? You bet. Jeremy Turley is Flatwater Free Press's newest reporter. He is chiefly going to cover uh, Omaha and the, the uh, Omaha Metro. Uh, it comes to us from North Dakota via University of Missouri, uh, the only the only Flatwater Free Press reporter who has moved south to, uh, <laughs> to get to uh, Nebraska. And, uh, you know, he did a really nice job with this first story. It's exactly what Flatwater Free Press is about. I mean, uh, revealing a, a, a kind of hidden truth um, that's now in plain sight because of his good reporting. So I'll let him talk about the story, but we're super glad to have him, and I'm, I'm excited for, for what comes next. Very cool. Jeremy, welcome to the Dan Parsons Show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So as as uh, Matthew said, yeah, you're a, a northern guy with because uh, you uh, <laughs> uh, you you a native of suburban Chicago, and uh, then you did uh, uh, you did the Bismarck thing, and so we're, we're glad you found us here in the South. <laughs> yeah, Matthew pitched me on the Nebraska winners, and I was all in. I mean, that's like. Uh... <laughs> It's like spring break for me, right? <laughs> no kidding. Well, uh, listen, the uh, this story, um, it, it's a powerful piece, and I, I just appreciate the work that you've done on it. And um, But basically, uh, a judge who decides cases in Omaha, uh, judges, excuse me, uh, denied more than 96% of asylum uh, applications uh, that they ruled on between October and May, the highest rejection rate of any American immigration court. Yep, that's right. Um, there were nearly 500, or actually more than 500 cases of um, asylum claims that were adjudicated during the period you just mentioned, and, and that rate is the highest denial rate of any court in the country. Um, it is higher than courts that have a reputation among immigration lawyers for having higher denial rates, such as the Atlanta court and the Charlotte court. And so this was kind of a, a surprising finding. Um, it was something I, I came across with the help of a, a Syracuse University professor named Austin Coker, who, who tracks uh, immigration data across the country. Um, and he was surprised to find this as well in his own database. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tens of thousands, you write, of immigrants uh, coming to the U.S. every year to apply for asylum. Uh, which there is a legal description of what that means, uh, but to be protected, protect the the purposes to protect those fleeing uh, persecution due to their race, religion, nationality, political beliefs, or uh, membership in a specific social group. Um, 
And and we all know, well, maybe we don't know, but I can remind our listeners that uh, there was a lot of changes uh, in, in that process uh, during the Trump uh, presidency. Um, but the Biden administration has been trying to, uh, at least in theory, roll some of those uh, practices back. Um, but not so much, uh, at least in the in the Omaha court. Right. So, I mean, I think judges across the country still have a lot of discretion in, in how they uh, adjudicate asylum cases. Um, and, and the ones here in Omaha um, have, have denied most of those cases, of course. Um, if you ask immigration lawyers who defend asylum seekers in Omaha, they'll tell you that um, the judges here are still applying some of the sort of uh, Trump era uh, interpretations of asylum law. There are others on the other side of the issue, um, former ICE attorneys who would, who would dispute that and say that these are fair-minded, unbiased judges. But um, the, the contention from immigrants and, and immigration lawyers uh, on the asylum issue is that these judges are sort of narrowly interpreting asylum law and, and denying a lot of the cases that come forward here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeremy, if you can hang on through this uh, quick break, we'll come back uh, after the break and dig into the story a little bit further uh, here on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to the Monday edition of the Dan Parsons Show, where each and every Monday we visit with uh, our friends at Flatwater Free Press, Nebraska's very first uh, nonprofit newsroom. And joining me today, Jeremy Turley, a reporter with Flatwater, and uh, he's covered a story that, uh, you know, really, Jeremy, this is the type of work uh, I... you don't need to know my background, but uh, I've been uh, in public relations and uh, my whole career here in Nebraska. And, and so I've relied on uh, the news media to help my clients tell their stories. And so I've I've become the unofficial ambassador for local journalism, I guess. And uh, and I continue to. And here's a perfect example of why the work that you guys do is so important is holding people in power accountable. And uh, so uh, Jeremy's story uh, dealing with the immigration court uh, in Omaha and how uh, they're an outlier. Uh, they have the most um, rejections of any other immigration court uh, in America. And uh, by the way, you can sign up for Flatwater Free Press's uh, uh, work and see all their work. Uh, they give it away, not only to their readers, uh, but they also give it away to other news sources. And you can do that uh, by going to their website, flatwaterfreepress.org, and you can read Jeremy's uh, really great story about uh, the immigration court uh, and sign up for Matthew's uh, weekly newsletter. So you get the uh, you get the tips on um, on the stories that are uh, being reported on. Uh, but Jeremy, thanks again for joining us. And uh, Jeremy's uh, Flatwater's uh, very newest uh, uh, reporter here in the state. And uh, but yeah, this story, Jeremy, maybe maybe take us through uh, some of your lead in the in the story that you uh, introduced uh, the piece on uh, with this. Was it 11, a couple with an eleven year old son? Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So um, I, I went to observe uh, immigration court last month um, and, and the case that was playing out in Judge Alexandra Larson's court that day um, was a, a family from El Salvador. Um, Christian Rivera was the father of this family. Um, there was also a wife and a, and a son, um, 11 years old, as you mentioned. 
who were uh, having their case adjudicated, their asylum claim um, adjudicated by Judge Larson. And um, the result was was a familiar one if you're an observer of the court when Judge Larson denied their claim for asylum. She did say they were uh, credible and she believed their story about fleeing uh, a gang in El Salvador and a threat made by a gang member who was related to the family. Yeah, threatened. Uh, but she also said... Threatened, I'm sorry to interrupt, but threatened, uh, a family member threatened uh, uh, this couple that if they came back, uh, there was going to be uh, some danger. Right. The, the threat at the time, I believe, was was tied to, um, you know, a storage of, of some guns and some vehicles that the gang member was saying, you better do this or, or else you'll have to pay the consequences. Hmm. Um, they declined because they had a young child in the house. Uh, this was back in 2019. Um, and, and so with that sort of threat hanging over them, they decided to leave and try to come to the United States to claim asylum, um, which is designed for people fleeing persecution. Um, and, you know, three years later, with the backlogs in the Omaha court and elsewhere in the immigration system, their, their case was finally um, adjudicated. And it was denied uh, by Judge Larson. Yeah, uh, the three you write uh, in your piece: the three judges decide the vast majority of cases in the Omaha court. Uh, Larson, as you mentioned, Abby Meyer, and Matthew Morrissey, all of them uh, denied more than eighty percent of asylum cases uh, that they decided between their initial appointments when they were first appointed to the court and the end of September uh, in twenty twenty two. All three. Uh, worked as attorneys uh, for ICE, <laughs> for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Correct. Uh, so they were the prosecutors before they became judges. Effectively, yeah, that, that's that's absolutely true. Um, I believe Judge Morrissey is the only one I found uh, had, had worked defending immigrants as a private attorney. Um, it, it should be noted that immigration law is, is a very specific kind of law, and there aren't so many people um, that are qualified to be judges. And, and so my understanding is that most of the judges appointed to the bench um, in immigration court have either worked for ICE or they've worked as a, a private immigration attorney. Mm. So, I mean, pretty much anybody you get on the bench um, has probably worked on one of the two sides, which, of course, have an interest in either uh, fighting for uh, immigrants' asylum claims or trying to battle against them as a representative of the government. So did you, Jeremy, we're visiting with Jeremy Turley uh, with Flatwater Free Press, uh, and you can read his uh, work at flatwaterfreepress.org. Um, so did you run across, so this this family was denied, as uh, vast majority of others are, and and they have an appeal process, is that right? Yes, that's correct. So there is a, a board of judges they can appeal to. Um, that process is also very backed up, so it's likely going to take three or four years for them to get a final answer on this. Hmm. Um, during that time, they are able to remain legally in the United States and, and work um, legally in their communities. But um, that process is, is you know, very backlogged at this point, and so it will take years for that one to, to be settled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, y- you know... <laughs> And and I'm and by the way I 
failed to mention this to our guests, uh, uh, to to you and and to our listeners, uh, uh, coming up after the break, uh, Jeremy, I'm having uh, Anna Deal uh, on, who you interviewed for your story. Uh, Anna is the legal director at Immigration uh, Legal Center in Omaha uh, to get her perspective on this story. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, we often have some business leaders uh, here in the community and the state on, and obviously the, the continued uh, conversation in the business community is lack of workers in the state and across the country. And here we have uh, people who come to America uh, escaping persecution and violence and, and potential death um, and, and you know, uh, to be able to fill some of the jobs that we need filled. Uh, and yet here we are once again denying that uh, those people uh, admission and citizenship to our country. Sure. And, and, you know, I didn't get into the sort of workforce economic effects of um, the denial rate of asylum. While people are actively applying for asylum, they they have work authorizations so they can work while their case is pending. Mm -hmm. Um, But if their case is denied and and they um, are sort of done with that process, they are uh, not able to work legally in the United States in most cases. And so that that certainly could be a a compounding effect. Yeah, uh, high denial rate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, uh, as I mentioned when we uh, got ready for the show, it goes really, really fast. So that's about our time for the day. But uh, uh, I look forward to reading more of your work uh, at Flatwater. Welcome to Nebraska. We're glad you're here and and doing important work like this story. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank okay, you, you, thank you Dan and uh, Johnny. You bet. Take care, Jeremy. Hey, coming up uh, after the break, as I mentioned, Anna Deal. Uh, Anna is the legal director at Immigration Legal Center in Omaha. Uh, so she deals with these cases all the time, every day. And so we look forward to getting her perspective on that. So uh, we'll take this break for the news, and we'll be back here on 1499.3 KLIN. Educating. Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Yeah, you have to wait till Friday to get to the entertaining part of the show. So, uh, But we'll do our best uh, to keep it uh, light. And uh, although this isn't exactly a light topic we're chatting about today. Well, welcome back to the Dan Parsons Show. Don't forget, you can always catch us uh, on demand any darn time you like on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, uh, Stitcher's going away, but you can always find us on uh, on uh, Google and um, uh, all the other Apple uh, and all of the other platforms. And you can always uh, dial into KLIN.com and and uh, and find us there as well. So uh, and don't forget our Facebook and Twitter uh, accounts. We'd love to continue the conversation after the show. And uh, you could check out uh, as I mentioned, I was down for the zoo fest this past weekend and where'd it go there's a zoo fest picture on here someplace um so anyway uh check us out on twitter and facebook uh thanks to matthew hansen uh editor of flatwater free press and reporter jeremy turley uh very newest uh reporter for flatwater free press we always check in with matthew and his reporters every monday uh, for hot news of flatwater free press so don't forget uh, you can sign up for their free uh, newsletter from matthew uh, that he puts out every friday that chronicles their uh, week's worth of work um, and just go to flatwaterfreepress.org and uh, there's no cost uh, they're nebraska's very first 
uh, nonprofit newsroom, and their model is, which I believe is going to save uh, journalism. And uh, our friends at Nebraska Examiner is also a, a nonprofit newsroom, and uh, those two entities here in Nebraska are are doing good work. And this is a great example of their work. Uh, and don't forget, uh, tomorrow uh, we'll check in with Mayor Lirian uh, for our monthly check-in with uh, Mayor Lirian Gaylord Baird. So, But joining me on the phone, I'm delighted to introduce uh, Anna Deal. Uh, Anna is the legal director at the Immigration Legal Center in Omaha, uh, quoted in, the, in, in uh, Jeremy's story. And uh, Anna, uh, welcome to the Dan Parsons Show. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little uh, background of Anna. After graduating from Boston College, uh, she came to Nebraska, uh, serving as an attorney advisor at the Omaha Immigration Court. Seems fitting for this story. Uh, Anna joined uh, her current position, Immigration Legal Center, in 2015 uh, and has been a zealous advocate for unaccompanied minors, uh, victims of intrafamily violence, and others at risk of family separation and deportation. So, Anna, obviously you have the chops to uh, uh, to do this work. And uh, so tell us, uh, for those who are maybe not familiar with the work at the uh, Immigration Legal Center, maybe give us a little 411 on, on uh, what the organization does. Sure. So we are a nonprofit immigration law firm. We represent low-income immigrants and refugees. We actually recently merged with Refugee Empowerment Center, um, one of Nebraska's refugee resettlement agencies. Mm-hmm. So we do both um, removal defense work for individuals who are in deportation proceedings. Um, we also file for affirmative benefits like uh, special immigrant juvenile status for abused or abandoned children, um, visas for victims of violent crime, um, and then we handle refugee resettlement services as well for individuals who've been brought here by the U.S. government and are receiving assistance in starting a new life here as refugees. Nice, nice, important work. Well, as I was talking with Jeremy uh, about his story, um, and you've been around long enough to see uh, what should have been some changes uh, from one administration to the next, but uh, based on this story, I don't. Uh, we aren't seeing a lot of... Uh, uh, changes in immigration policies yet anyway, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, I, one of my colleagues quoted in the article addressed the fact that in the asylum arena in particular, um, there were a few decisions issued under the prior administration that really, while not foreclosing access to asylum for for particular groups of individuals, provided a strong signal that in general, um, those types of claims should not prevail. And it's really my opinion that our adjudicators here locally, our immigration judges, um, continue to be influenced by those decisions, mm. although they have been reversed and are no longer good law. Right. But but we still see the same practices and the same uh, results in the courts being handed down, right? Um, yeah. 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 Here locally we do, although trends nationally have have improved for asylum applicants. Our rates have gotten worse in the past few years. Mm-hmm. So any explanation, uh, Anna, uh, of why Omaha is the outlier of in the, in the entire country? I mean, I was talking with Jeremy about <clears throat> these three judges that are making the vast majority of these decisions in the court. 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a legal background, uh, but as the old joke goes, I played one on TV. I was the comms director in the attorney general's office here in Nebraska for about six years. Um, okay. And uh, so anyway, I've been around a lot of attorneys, but I don't have a law degree. But from, from my observation uh, in reading Jeremy's story, um, it, it, it surprised me to learn that these judges uh, come from a background uh, as a prosecutor, basically, in, in immigration uh, uh, cases, uh, which that surprised me. Yeah, I mean, I think you see that in all sorts of court systems, right? Okay. Our, our state court judges often have backgrounds as prosecutors. Sure, um, yeah. But I, I do think it's inevitable that it colors their perspective. Um, and, and in this case, we have you know, two judges that came on under the Trump administration and, and under, I believe, when they started and when they trained um, some of these decisions that signaled that um, asylum should not be available for particular types of claims brought by particular applicants, right, mm-hmm. um, were in place, right? And so I think that... that their background and the timing of their appointment and maybe the training they've received um, have continued to reverberate reverberate in the way that they are viewing the claims that are brought. I think that several of my colleagues in the article um, correctly pointed to the national origin composition of the respondent population that appears before the court. with a very high concentration of Mexican and Central American immigrants. Um, there is, those immigrants tend to bring a, a high proportion of claims based on intrafamily violence, fear of organized crime or gangs. Um, and there is case law that makes it difficult to prevail on those types of claims. Um, because of the nature of those incidents, is that is that what I'm hearing? Because, That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So, what would yeah, be an ex- so asylum? Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, please. Asylum law provides protection for state perpetrated persecution okay. or violence committed by persecution committed by a private actor that the government is unable or unwilling to protect you against. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, gang based claims and, and intra family violence rely on that. Um, unable or unwilling to protect ground. And that's a ground where we've seen a lot of, of unfavorable case law that really narrows access to asylum. Okay, I see. Um, however, I think that national origin is not the whole story. And I think the article did a really great job of laying that out. Um, we see that the average denial rate from applicants for applicants from Mexico and Central American countries is around 70% denied, whereas Mm -hmm. we're at 96. Um, And then we see that there are courts in other parts of the country with a similar country of origin composition um, to the applicants appearing before them that have higher approval rates. Um, I think that, I, I think that the primary cause there is, is the background of the adjudicators um, mm-hmm. here in Omaha. Um, it's just not the case that the case law forecloses access to asylum, right? Un- under this mm-hmm. unfavorable case law that we have, there is a path to grant asylum on a particular record where you have strong facts. Um, but 
we see, you know, adjudicators at the asylum office and IJs in other jurisdictions and in federal courts recognizing that and granting these claims, although um, sparingly, right? But our, IJ, our immigration judges in Omaha are apparently less open to that possibility than other adjudicators. Yeah, yeah. We, um, Jeremy writes, the trio of judges uh, still appear to be applying Trump-era interpretations of immigration law despite a recent loosening of asylum policies under Biden. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Anna, can I beg you to stay after this quick little break and we'll, we'll finish up on the other side? Sure. Okay. Thank you, Anna. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick message on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to the Monday edition of the Dan Parsons Show. Remember, you can always catch us on your favorite podcast platform if you miss the live version. And do follow us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. We uh, like to carry on the conversation after we're done. Well, uh, uh, thanks again to Anna Deal, a legal director at the Immigration Legal Center in Omaha. Anna, thanks for sticking around. Um, I appreciate your work and appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for doing the show and featuring this issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just going to mention, and, and again, this is maybe beyond the scope of what you do on a daily basis, but I'm just trying to connect. Again, I, I, I want to shine light on uh, on some of these issues. And uh, uh, even though you're in Omaha and this court is in Omaha, I, I'm, having, I'm having the mayor. The mayor comes on. Mayor Lirian comes on once a month on my show. And, and I think I'm going to mention this to her tomorrow and give her credit because uh, just about a year ago, uh, uh, the city of Lincoln and Lancaster County uh, instituted a community plan, uh, an immigration welcoming and belonging plan. Um, and so folks like you on the front line and, and uh, hopefully making uh, life in, in our country possible for some of these uh, asylum seekers, and once they hopefully can accomplish that, uh, there are communities that are recognizing that we need to welcome these folks into our community. And uh, this plan that the mayor and, and the county board rolled out about a year ago, uh, a welcoming and belonging strategic plan to guide the successful integration of immigrants and refugees into the region uh, in, in talking about equitable services uh, for all residents, civic engagement and community connections, uh, access to education, economic opportunity, uh, safe and healthy communities, and, and affordable and quality housing, obviously. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work. And, and as I mentioned to, to Jeremy uh, in the first half of the show, you know, I have business leaders on this show on a regular basis. And all of us uh, in the business community and all of us as consumers uh, are well aware uh, of the um, uh, employment uh, problems that we have in this country. And there's, there's solutions if we can just uh, welcome some of these people who are seeking asylum into our country. Uh, there's solutions for the problems that we have with, uh, uh, with workforce. Yeah, I think those are fantastic points. I think that Nebraska needs immigrants, Nebraska communities truly need immigrants, and most Nebraskans welcome immigrants as, as members of their community. Um, and I think that when it comes to asylum applicants in particular, one thing people commonly don't realize is that it takes many, many years, often over a decade, for an asylum claim to wend its way through the system. And so um, these asylum seekers are members of our community yes. who are often, you know, 
thoroughly established with families and lives and um, jobs and contributing to our tax base um, yes. when their asylum claim is denied. So uh, it's a, an important issue that impacts our broader communities um, as well as asylum applicants themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. And we're, we're visiting with Anna Deal, uh, and yeah, that's that's a great point. And uh, again, I looked this statistic up in nineteen nine twenty nineteen alone, immigrants in in the Lincoln region uh, held uh, four hundred and fifty five point seven million dollars in spending power and paid eighty nine point two million dollars in federal taxes. Now it says region, so it must be larger than Lancaster County, uh, and sixty million in state and local taxes. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, it seems like a no-brainer. So what are some of the solutions? And I know you're not necessarily an advocacy organization. Uh, you're on the front lines fighting for these uh, families. But in, in addition to great work from Flatwater Free Press and other uh, media of shining light on this uh, the, these issues, what are some of the policy issues that need to be reformed that we don't seem to be able to get our arms around? Um, with respect to asylum denial rates specifically or immigration generally? Well, just uh, well, all of the above, I guess. Um, okay. I mean, I think with respect to asylum denial rates here locally, the best thing we can do um, is, as an immigration bar, right, is uh, thoroughly document our clients' claims and then bring strong appeals and do everything we can to show our local benched that these claims can and should be granted when the record is strong. Um, with respect to immigration reform, generally, it's a, a huge subject, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think that some of the key things that, that need to be updated um, include um, lengthy processing times for family-based applications. The, the waiting times for individuals to bring their um, spouses, children, parents, um, siblings are extremely long. Um, I think there there are some particularly punitive policies um, related to an individual's immigration history mm -hmm. that can make it impossible for them to ever um, obtain a green card, even if they have a, a petitioner, um, due to a, a history of exits and entries, you know, purely immigration violations. Mm -hmm. um, and then on a broader level, I think we just, as a society, need to recognize that um, individuals in, in all sorts of immigration statuses and without any lawful immigration status are critical members of our community, yeah. part of the fabric of our communities and, and essential to our economies and um, offer individuals who are here without status the, the dignity of mm -hmm. access to employment authorization and a, a path to permanent lawful status. Um, I think we've seen there was a recent Supreme Court decision a couple weeks ago um, allowing the, the Biden administration to proceed with right. its prosecutorial discretion policies, so allowing it to decide who it will pursue for deportation. And I think that, you know, assuming we can't achieve comprehensive immigration reform through Congress, um, executive policies that allow adjudicators and, um, and officials 
law enforcement officials to um, pursue individuals for deportation who are of higher priority based on criminal history or the the recency of their entry and um, give them the discretion not to pursue individuals Mm -hmm. who have been here for a long time without criminal um, records really are part of our community. I think that's a positive change that, that is fortunately available again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, these, these policies, it's such a complicated issue uh, and they they don't happen overnight. And because I'm involved in the political arena from time to time in my day job, um, uh, what I always remind people is it turns out that elections do matter in a lot of different ways. So, uh, uh, well, Anna Deal, a legal director at the Immigration and Legal Center in Omaha, how can, how can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you do? Our website is immigrantlc.org. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thanks again, Anna, for your expertise and for jumping on uh, last minute with us here on the Dan Parsons Show. Uh, I hope to uh, run into you again, and if we can be of help here on the show, uh, please let us know. Okay. Thank you, Dan. You bet. Take care. Take well, uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, visit. Goodbye. Uh, Pleasure uh, visiting with Anna Deal, legal director at the Immigration uh, Legal Center in Omaha, who was quoted in Jeremy uh, Turley's uh, news story with Flatwater Free Press. Uh, If you haven't uh, signed up for their free newsletter, uh, flatwaterfreepress.org, you can read uh, Jeremy's story uh, about how the Omaha... um, Immigration court uh, is an outlier in in the state or in the country and has the most uh, uh, denials of any other uh, court in America. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, uh, Mayor Leary and Gaylord Baird will be here for our monthly check-in. And I think I just came up with a new topic I'd like to chat with the mayor about because I love this, uh, this immigration welcoming and belonging plan that uh, her and the uh, the county board put out about a year ago, uh, because it is. I mean, it's such an important uh, issue uh, for those of us who, um, you know, uh, want to welcome uh, people into our community and expand the tax base and uh, the opportunities for people to uh, to work and provide jobs. And, um, yeah, it's a big dang deal. So, well, uh, listen, kids, that's uh, the show for today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, please follow us on the Facebook and the Twitter and keep this conversation going. I'd love to hear from you uh, on that uh, on those platforms. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, now go do good things on 1499.3 KLIN.